Interested in upgrading or downgrading your home? First time buyer? TPS, DACA, or ITIN? Not a problem. Call or text Yamilef Estrada with the MG team at Rowe Real Estate for all your real estate needs at 479-616-8854. Hey everyone, this is the District 3 Podcast, episode 81. My name is Irvin. I'm Manny. Manny almost forgot to, <laughs> to introduce himself. Hey, uh, let me just talk real quick. Manny <laughs> hasn't been here for what? Has it been two weeks, Manny? So he's kind of forgetting like how the how things work around here. You know, it's it's been a little minute, but you know, happy to be back. Using a, a really good camera right now from his phone. Uh, but this is episode eighty-one. We're here with a friend and also a uh, well, friend of the podcast and friend of of us just in general. Diana Dominguez, who is the multicultural community liaison of the Fayetteville Public Library. Uh, thank you for joining us, Diana. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on um, again. Uh, last time I know that I came on, I was, was it, when was it actually that I came on? It was, it was like, still it during- was months ago, five months ago, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So we were still kind of in the thick of the virtual programming at, at the Fayetteville Public Library, which we're, we're still doing, so. And it's been about how long since you started with the library? I forgot. Has it been a year now? Yeah. So I started in, it's been a little over a year because I had my one year anniversary last October. And so honestly, it's been kind of a whirlwind because I had, you know, like anybody else for the year, this whole kind of year planned out specifically with an outreach. And it feels like I'm doing my one year or first year kind of all over again um within this within this next year even though there's still kind of virtual programming happening but yeah a little bit over a year when yeah. i have you like your like go ahead manny you go first i'll, I'll go after you no I, I i was just kind of curious how much of that i mean you guys obviously have that virtual programming going on right now but have y'all discussed like how much of that y'all are going to keep once you open i mean is that going to be a vital part of what happens at the library going forward yeah, I mean, so before virtual programming, we offered kind of our bigger events, the ones that we hosted in the Walker community room and even in the story time room, like our preschool story time. We did a lot of live streaming prior, but I think the virtual programming um, has given us like opportunities to continue on virtual programming. I think we saw a lot of advantages uh, with within that. Um, but yeah, we're still very much in, in the thick of virtual programming and just looking at the next kind of couple months to see if there's an opportunity to do a couple of in-person or even hybrid uh, programs. Yeah, I, I know a lot of places, specifically businesses that did some live streaming and hated it and they're like, no, we're never doing it again. But I think especially for resources like this that are, you know, centered around community engagement you you need some of that for people to actually be able to be there yeah definitely and i think especially for our um our community the latinx or spanish speaking and the marshals community they definitely rely a lot on like social media and doing facebook live as a way to be able to connect to um, community resources or organizations so for me i still plan to somehow utilize the the virtual programming then again, there's still some, you know, issues or barriers to accessibility because, you know, not everyone has access to internet, not everyone has access to um, maybe a computer, but, you know, most people have at this point, I think, 
um, like a smart device or a mobile phone that they can access internet through. Yeah, but and it's a beautiful I, thing to keep offering that. When so I think of, of you, Diana, and like what your, what I would think like would be like a perfect career for you, like library kind of like is <laughs> really close yeah. to it. So it's like, how has that experience been for you just to kind of um, be in that space, specifically, you know, providing resources to uh, communities who might not have gone those resources before. Yeah, so I don't come from a library services background necessarily, but I think you're right. Somehow I was going to, I think at some point end up probably within, you know, with books. Uh, you know, my background was, my uh, bachelor's was in secondary English education, and then I went on and got my master's here at the U of A in comparative literature. Um, but I've never really had like a kind of a traditional path. Um, you know, before I even started in Univis Irvin, I wanted to go into immigration law, uh, mm -hmm. like so many others, um, as a result of the past administration, I think I felt really like compelled um, to go straight into that, but then also realize that there's really opportunities in other, in other spaces and other ways. And I feel like I feel like now that I'm at the public library, it's given uh, the Fayetteville Public Library, um, it's given me an opportunity to be able to kind of use or um, utilize the connections and the different ways that I've connected to different community organizations to bring that at the forefront of the work that I do at the library. I think I wouldn't definitely be able to um, be doing the work that I'm doing now without having had, um, you know, access or entry into those, um, you know, a lot of the community work that I even do outside, outside of the library. So it, it's funny that you mentioned that, but it's kind of a, you know, it took a while. And even, even, even now within the, I mean, I plan to be there for, for a long time, um, but I think it took me a while to kind of find, you know, where my position within kind of the world or where I was at in my, at this stage of my life. Sorry, a lot, super long-winded answer, like always. It just kind of feels congratulations, like- Congratulations though. Pairing. Yeah, congratulations, like Manny said. Yeah, thank you. Like, I just kind of feel like that pairing is just, like it, like it makes sense, right? Yeah, like, and, and I also think about, I was talking to a coworker about this the other day, how growing up, I utilized the Web City Public Library over the summers because I was, I mean, my, oh my goodness, I forgot about this, but you know, when, like, I think everybody has these, like, you know, when you're like a little kid and you signed on to, what's it called, MSM Messenger, and you had like that super cheesy, like, hot, like, I don't know, mine was like bookworm, and then it was like my <laughs> birth at Hotmail, um, but I remember growing up utilizing the Web City Public Library and even going by myself. Um, and I think it's always had like, you know, being around books has always um, been something that's been very nurturing for me. And I also think about, you know, when I used to go, I used to think it sounds super cheesy, but I'd go in there and like this old building with this like books and think I love the smell of books and also like, oh, I love the smell of coffee, you know, and like thinking how cool librarians were, you know, because they got to enjoy being in that, in, in that environment. And I'm lucky and fortunate enough to, to be, to be there in that environment. And especially during a time like this with, with the library, uh, with, you know, the expansion and, and the um, different resources and spaces that it's offering the community. So, so do you, 
Yeah, go ahead, Irvin. But no, no, you go first. Go first, man. No, well, so I mean, like, I, I think that's beautiful. I think, you know, having that passion for, um, for this job is, is special. But I, I wonder, like, are, how, how inspired are you to, to be able to see that you may be doing, um, a job where you inspire the next generation or even, you know, just people who haven't had access to these services before, um, you know, being that liaison for a new generation or in, even an older generation that didn't have access. Um, I mean, I bet that just feels special. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, um, think a lot about my parents, think a lot about the ways in which I wish they would have had, and even now, I wish that they would have had, you know, people within the library that were able to assist them and connect them um, to resources in the same way that the Fayetteville Public Library does. I think a lot of it has to do just with like, um, you know, to be honest with you, you know, in terms of library world, there's not that very many BIPOC people. It's a field that's primarily white. And so I think, um, you know, it's it's interesting ent entering um, this space now because it still is primarily primarily white. But I think, I think that's also why our communities also don't see the kind of they don't see a library in the same way that a lot of other communities do. Of course, there's a lot of other kind of uh, barriers or maybe limitations to how people view the public library. I think a lot of people, you know, gasp at an idea of like you know, something that's a place that's free. Yes, it's, you know, used based on taxpayer money, but a place where there's some, it's someone's job to direct you to, to resources. Um, I don't know, I feel, I also just, for me in the position that I'm in, I really just want to support the ongoing efforts that a lot of people are already doing. You know, for me, it's just like, okay, I'm going to partner with this organization because I see the work that they're doing and I want to make sure that the communities are connected through that, you know, and if there's, you know, if there's, that's where I see the library is like being able to be a connector for them and using myself and uh, even, you know, using talking with our library about their own kind of diversity, equity and inclusion efforts to think beyond the programming or beyond the services that that we provide. Manny's usually the the guy that uh, in this podcast that will ask the questions like what kind of music you're listening to, what kind of books you're reading. Um, when you started working at the library, what are some of the first books that you actually checked out from that library? <laughs> so, Ooh, good like question. A, this is so bad. Well, I'm I'm read mostly nonfiction. I'm trying to think about. I also tend to read like heavy reads, so I feel like you put me on the spot, Irvin, about what I was reading at that time. Many <laughs> yes, like I think I picked up <laughs> well I think I think okay so I I know what book it was that I picked up. Not that I'm embarrassed because actually I think I talk a lot about and you know this as well. I think both of you know this I talk a lot about mental health. So honestly because we have such a great collection within the Fayetteville Public Library, I picked up um, a book based on like intergenerational trauma. And so that was the first book that I picked up, picked up there. So, and I honestly, now that I'm working there, I haven't, sadly, I haven't been reading as much as I, as, as I would like to, but part of my intentions for this year is to read at least a book, a book a month. So, but my, yeah, my reads tend to be mostly non, nonfiction. 
it's a good goal a book a month if you ever want to start a district three book club let us know okay <laughs> I will. and i forgot if we mentioned this the first time that you came on here diana um do you have to be a Fayetteville resident to go to get books at the Fayetteville public library yeah, so that's a great question. That's one of the myths, I think, um, or just kind of misconceptions of how to get a Fayetteville Public Library. So actually, if you live um, in certain sects of Washington County, and also if you live in Rogers, we have a partnership because before the Fayetteville Public Library existed, uh, there was an overarching Washington County library system um, that existed prior to so some of our kind of uh, you know that partnership still exists so for example if you live in springdale or in rogers or other parts of, of washington county you can still get a Fayetteville public library card free uh, if you live outside of um, washington county or those areas you can still access one you just have to pay an annual fee but the really really great part of um, our library is that we also offer scholarships and we're pretty liberal on in terms of giving people scholarships like if the 10 year old kid from like Pennsylvania wants a Fayetteville Public Library card, I doubt we're going to be like, no, you can't, can't get a Fayetteville Public <laughs> card. So I just hope he brings the book back and doesn't take it to Pennsylvania with him, but <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool though. Um, so the library opened up again uh, in January after months of, yeah. of and you working from home. Um, how yeah. has that been? How has that transition back to being there? Yeah, so we had a soft reopening um, right after the day after Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So that would have been Tuesday, January 19th. Um, and so we reopened because we, I know we knew that the community was really anxious to have us uh, reopen. We were still offering, and we're still, well, we're still offering this as curbside pickup, um, but our building itself wasn't, wasn't open. Um, there were a lot of, um, I would say, conversations definitely with the Arkansas Department of Health, with the mayor, you know, with the city about, you know, how we could um, safely reopen. So, you know, I think the decision came down to reopening because we wanted to make sure that the community uh, was able to access the facility and, and the services that we had there beyond curbside pickup. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was a interesting transition, I will say. Um, I don't have kids. I don't have, um, I live alone, you know, with my dog. So, you know, going from working from home to working back in a building, which we, we had been working from the building for a couple months prior, but it looked very different for me, I think, than, than the other families, families in the building. But um, those were definitely conversations that, that were had as part of, as part of our reopening. And I think that um, you said you all opened back up in January. Um, and one of the programs that we talked about last year, was it last year? Yeah, last year when we interviewed you, um, was the, is it called Working with Google? Is that what the event was called? Yeah, so last year we had a, um, the partnership with Expansion NWA. Um, we had a program uh, with Grow with Google. So we had Sixia Divine, who's um, contracted by Grow with Google, She's a professional speaker come out to the Fayetteville Public Library and um, talk to businesses about how to utilize Google. Um, so, for example, how to put, um, you know, your business online, how to use photos. I think a lot of our, you know, Spanish speaking businesses are great when it comes to Facebook. But then when it comes to, you know, understanding how to use Google, this free tool, it was something that we wanted to be able to offer um, to small business owners. Um, 
And yeah, we had over 70 people there, which was really great. It was one of our, I think it was, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this is, I don't want to be like misquoted, but I think it was like the first time that the library had ever had, you know, that big of a population of Spanish speakers that were there for, for a program. Mm -hmm. So that, that was really exciting and um, great, great to see. But again, it was because of, the, I think, the partnership that we had with Expansión. And then we also were given some airtime by another organization through Rooted. Uh, we did a couple of uh, La Seta interviews as well. So. And I think I saw, because I went through the uh, Fable Public Library's Facebook, is there another one scheduled for this month? Yeah, so again, because of COVID, it's going to be virtual. Um, so we are offering two now. They're going to be, um, one's going to happen on Thursday, 20, Thursday, February 25th, and then the other one is going to happen Friday, uh, February 26th. They're both going to be at noon, so it's kind of like a lunch and learn series, and the first 10 participants that sign up will get a $10 gift card um, to a um, Hispanic or Latinx restaurant in the area, so it's kind of a way to incentivize people and also just to support businesses in the area. That's legit. That's legit. Um, and you all have other programs happening, right? Because I also, like I said, I went through the Fayetteville Public Library's Facebook and there's a lot of different events. There's one actually happening right now as we speak. Um, can you talk a lot about those events, that, which I, I believe like uh, target like diverse communities and, and diverse topics, which is really cool to see. Yeah, so this programming is um, was actually led by someone else other than me. Um, it's the our, one of our adult services librarians. Her name is Leah. Um, she is actually leading this. We received a grant last year of Lift Every Voice. And so it's a grant that goes to public libraries to encourage them um, to do programming that features uh, Black poetry. And so um, it doesn't have to happen during Black History Month, but we chose to go ahead and do it during Black History Month because, you know, when we received the grant, we just didn't know if we'd be able to do it in person because of COVID. So it actually worked out to do it virtually. Um, but it's a lift every voice and the purpose of it is to just um, highlight African American or black uh, poetry and talk about history and the struggle for racial justice and so there's a series of different uh, virtual programs that we have so today we have one with a uh, uh, a black community artist her name is Natasha Devon and uh, the title of it is poetry as healing um, we also had a event um, with a U of A professor on Tuesday, February 2nd on why African-American poetry matters. And then we had following that on Wednesday, we had another program with um, the, I believe the U of A's library special collections to talk about African-American poetry. And then we also spotlighted a, another black poet in the area. And what are some of the goals that you all have, you know, for for future programs, like stuff that you all wanna do or ideas that you all may have that maybe, haven't been done before at the library? Um, I think that would definitely be need to be a question kind of directed at each, you know, each department. So um, I work within the community engagement department, but I work both with adult and youth departments. And so I think um, right now we're really trying to figure out, you know, what does a summer reading programming look like? It's in, typically it's an in-person program. Um, that encourages uh, people to come visit the library, but we also partner with with different different community organizations. But um, I think going back to your question, I think for me it would be continuing to think about you know other uh, other 
potential community organizations that I could partner with. You know, the past um, year that I've been there, it's been more so focused on, uh, you know, connecting and engaging with Spanish speaking and Marshallese communities. Um, but I would really like our efforts, um, you know, within the department, but even as a whole, to start reaching out to other communities as well. Um, I think, you know, there's a pretty big Arabic speaking population in the area as well. Um, and so that's, we're crossing our fingers that working with right now with Islamic Center of NWA to hopefully bring um, a Arabic calligraphy program in the near future. And so once we know more about that, um, we'll have it up on, on, on our website. But yeah, I think for me, the efforts would be just to continue, you know, um, thinking about ways that we can partner with community organizations and, and reach different, you know, demographics in the, in the area. And it's so interesting because, you know, Fayville is a linguistically diverse city. And I think a lot of people, I didn't know that really. I mean, I think I knew that in terms of, you know, the U of A and how it, it tends to bring in a lot of international students. And, and many of those were actually friends of mine through the grad program that I was in. But, you know, when I started going and visiting the different schools and talking to the different um, uh, English language learner teachers in the area, Fable uh, Public Schools, it was astounding to see, you know, the, the differences even among different schools of, of just the language diversity, so. Yeah, I remember I did uh, I did some translating for parent-teacher conferences at uh, Fayetteville Public Schools. Can't remember exactly which schools I was going to, but uh, the first time I did it, I was blown away because the teachers were telling me that there were like 70 different languages that were spoken in the school. I was like, I'm, I only know two, like hopefully I can help. But it, it did, it blew me away because these kids, you know, I, similar to, to my experience and a lot of uh, first-generation kids, is like they were translating for their parents as yeah. they came in and and I mean that was beautiful to see Fayetteville was so crazy but there there are lots of things I mean do you guys facilitate uh translators I mean is is it a pretty bilingual staff I mean you said it was pretty low on BIPOC but yeah so I I know within the past year um we've hired a couple of different library services generalists that speak different languages um I think our our prime group of folks are, you know, they speak Spanish, but then I know that there's a staff member there that speaks Farsi. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I know that our efforts within hiring too are there to start thinking about, you know, hiring other people that speak, speak other languages. And then with our volunteering as well, you know, asking folks that want to volunteer with us that speak other languages to also participate in, in welcoming people to the, to the library. And we we talked about a lot of cool things that are happening at the library. If people want to work with you or want to like give you ideas or just want to see how they can reach out to you, where can they reach you? Yeah, so they can, um, they can, they're more than welcome to email me, which I just forgot my email. Let me pull it up. <laughs> or they could also give me a call. Um, so my email is ddominguez at faylib.org. And then they can give me a call at 479-856-7116. And I also, sorry, Irvin, yeah. I also wanted to say that if there are, if there are individuals that would like to go on a community tour, we're also offering tours of the library um, to be able to show the different, you know, spaces. I know we, we, we didn't talk about that today, but we have so many spaces that we really want to let the community know about, which is, I think, also part of the reason that we decided to reopen in January is we wanted to 
let people know, even if they're not able to, you know, if we're not able to utilize it at its full capacity, at least let them know that it exists there. So that way, when we're able to do in-person programming, they kind of are familiar with, with the space. That's so, so cool. Just to kind of like, uh, like if, if you're, for the people that are listening right now that maybe have never gone to the Fayetteville Public Library, but like you want them to go, like mm -hmm. what, what would be some words that you could give people just to kind of like encourage them to, to visit? Like what, what could they use the library for? You know, obviously books is the most important thing, but I know you talked about like uh, opening space up for community. Um, can you just go in a little bit on that just to kind of give people an idea of like uh, why the Fayetteville Public Library is an important resource for people in our community? community? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think when people think about a, li a public library, they're like, oh, books, oh, librarians. And then that's like, that's it. That's all they think about. But the really cool thing about, you know, this space is just even before the expansion, you know, we offered really great programming, both adult and in youth. Um, right now, <clears throat> because we're reopened, we've also, um, this is probably like the only in-person program, I guess, that we that I would say we would have, but we offer uh, volunteer income tax assistance with Care Community Center. So a colleague of mine, actually, um, I think we've been partnering with them for a while, and now we're actually offering Spanish and Marshallese interpreters at, at this location, which is really great. I'm really um, happy to hear that. Um, so, you know, we're offering that. We also offer a lot of other really great programs at, at the library, as I mentioned before, you know, that grow with Google. We also have a lot of really great um, children's programming. We offer our, our story times are happening virtually. Um, but, you know, this month, February 24th, we're having a virtual parent and child bar class. So it's like if you have uh, if you are a parent, caregiver or guardian or you're babysitting someone, you can participate in that. I think the spaces also are lending its, th these new spaces are also lending itself to, you know, reimagine what a public library looks like. So for example, I'm just going to run down um, kind of these new spaces because I, I want to really encourage people to, to think about public libraries beyond how we traditionally think about them. Um, it's, I think, you know, this public library is kind of setting the stage for how we think about public libraries in kind of this area. Um, so we have an art and movement room. And so we are actually this month, we're starting our virtual yoga classes again. Um, and I'm in the works um, to also see if we can bring in some bilingual Zumba instructors. Um, you know, hopefully in the future that it'll, it'll be in person. Um, that's also a space that will be utilized for other, you know, movement classes, exercise classes. Um, we also have the JB and um, John L. Hunt Family Gathering Glade, which is this great outdoor amphitheater event space. It's perfect for outdoor concerts, movies, theater productions, and then even if you're there and you're just wanting to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with, with your book, you can go out there. Um, for, you know, any, any parents, caregivers, or guardians that have kids, our library, the children's library has doubled in size. It's so wonderful, so beautiful. I'm not sure if you all have um, been able to take a look at some of the pictures that people have been posting. It's very IG, by the way. I'm like, I really want to take some pictures in there because it's yeah. so beautiful. Um, we have wonderful. <laughs> what did you say? Graduation pictures, a good spot for like graduation. No, it, re <laughs> no, it really is. It really is. Um, you know, we have those wonderful airplanes that um, are on permanent loan. 
um, that everybody, you know, has been has been commenting on. Uh, my kind of favorite part of the children's library has definitely has to be the teen library space, which is, if you've seen it in pictures, it's that wonderful blue calming space that's specifically dedicated um, to teens, so ages 11 through 19. And before it was kind of, you know, cocooned in the adult area, but now we have a designated space for them to really explore and um, even a teen project room space for them. So if they have any uh, projects, you know, through school, they can utilize that space to, to collaborate with other folks. We also have an event center. Um, and so we are, uh, we're hoping to host, you know, author talks, concerts, theater productions there. It seats 500 banquet and then it has 470 retractable seating. So it's a really interesting space because the retractable seating, um, when you go in there, it's kind of like bleachers where you can kind of push them up and then pull them down. You know how in the high school gym you were able to do that. But it's it's nicer than like that steel cold metal. It actually has like this um, you know kind of theater style seating in there, um, and I feel like most people when they go into the library they're really blown away by by that event center and all the potential that exists there. Um, the other two you know big spaces that I'll highlight are the teaching kitchen. So we have a partnership with Brightwater NWAC and uh, Fayetteville Public Schools that allows. Um, any students that are attending um, um, that are attending Fayetteville Public Schools, they could take classes there and they can graduate with their associate's degree in culinary arts. Um, on my That's end, so cool. I know it's so cool. And on my end, honestly, like I would love to partner with BIPOC chefs to be able to feature and highlight, you know, any foods. Uh, I am also working on a food archive. I'll just leave it out there because it's very much in the works, but hoping to potentially utilize um, that space for um, a food archive that celebrates and uh, celebrates and just uh, remembers the culture of, of just, I don't know how to say it, but just thinking about, you know, I think of a lot about those stories about people who've told me, oh, and you all talk about this all the time, you know, people migrating from California to here, you know, but unless we're a part of those communities, other people don't really know kind of those histories. And so re really utilizing food as, as a way to talk about all of these different kind of things that are, that are embedded um, within that. Um, we also have, and this is probably another part that everybody's like, wow, we can't believe that this exists here. So we also have the JB and um, Jonelle Hunt Family Center for Innovation. And so within that um, Center for Innovation, it has fabrication or robotics lab. And so we are able to do 3D printing, laser cutting robotics kits. Um, we're also, we also have a simulation lab, which, um, it's for workforce development. So you're able to receive certifications um, through the simulation lab. It's super interesting. Apparently you can learn how to even fly a plane there. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then we also have this virtual reality studio. And I know a lot of people think, you know, virtual reality, just, you know, thinking within the framework of just gaming, but it's actually a really great um, learning tool for, for students or for individuals that might be on the spectrum as well. Um, we also have an audio and video suite and control room, uh, which is so cool. Um, so it's, it's acoustically isolated walls with sound isolating flo floating floors and ceiling. And it's so interesting when you go into that space because you can feel, you can feel it in your ears, <laughs> just like the difference in terms of uh, just of it being soundproof. 
um, we always joke with people and say, you know, if you want to record your next, like, uh, I wouldn't say CD because people don't make CDs anymore, <laughs> your next album, you know, you could, you could utilize that space. We just actually hired on an audio and video engineer. His name is Nick. Um, and so it's so cool to watch him talk about the space because he's like in it and this is his craft. And he was just talking about how excited he is to get patrons, you know, in the future to get them to come in and we'll, we'll offer training courses so that way you know how to use the, use the equipment. But also if you need some, some help, we'll, we'll provide you with some help there. The other two spaces that I'll also mention are our photo, photo studio. So we have an, a specific space within, you know, the Center for Innovation where people can take product shots if you have a business or if you um, also are a photographer and you want to do like family portraits, you could, that space is there for you. And then we also have an, uh, like this overarching collaborative space. So the idea within that like open collaborative space is that as you're working on projects with other folks, you might run into another, you know, individual or creative that that's working on a project that you might be interested in and you know we're hoping that you you'd ultimately collaborate and then we also have this audio video um, lab so we have um, we'll have mac workstations with um, av editing software there available and then i mentioned this kind of prior to getting started here but I would love for you all to also use our podcast studio that we're going to have. It's not there quite yet, but you know, once we, once we get it there, I'd love for you all to consider use, utilizing that space and also just to give kind of a testimonial to the community about how it was. So definitely. Yeah. Well, we need to do that. I, I honestly think y'all made that just for us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did give you all a shout out the other day though, within our IT department, I was like, I actually need to get them in to, to utilize that space. So yeah, we'll check it out. I mean, for, and for, first of all, like just by everything you just said, it's not just books, you know, there's, no, it really <laughs> there's so many other things and I, and I, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of, a lot of features that the library offers. It yeah. Is, but it is, and it is, but I think that's also part of the barriers too, right? Is that, you know, you either, if you know, if you're really connected with the Bay of the Public Library, you know, you're like, okay, I can, I know about all this stuff, but like, if you're coming from other communities, maybe our community, you know, where English might not even be your primary language, like, how are you going to even know about all of this other stuff? So that's why, you know, part of my work um, is to introduce our community, you know, to the library, but also kind of um, taking back these certain myths or certain ideas or misconceptions that they might have have of, of the library. Um, I will say that our newsletters for uh, folks that are listening and that are connected to our community, um, our newsletters are offered in, are in Spanish. So you can pick up the newsletter, the, our monthly newsletter in English and in Spanish. Our signage has also moved in terms of on the marketing end has moved into being in Spanish and our um, part of the new building, our signage that we have there is also in English and, and in Spanish, so. That's so cool, so cool. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, Diana. We appreciate you coming in and updating us on what's going on with the library and all these different features that I, uh, I need to do, I need to probably, like every time I've gone to the library in Fayetteville, it's been for meetings, whenever I've met with yeah. there and stuff. So I definitely need to like make sure that this month uh, next time I go, I go get some books or I, or I check out one of the things that you mentioned. Um, and we'd love to have you again in the next few months so you can just continue to update us where the program yeah. is at and, and any kind of uh, speakers that you're going to bring in. I know you were, uh, were already working on that in the past and because of the pandemic. Yeah. Now, but anytime that you have someone, let us know and we're glad to 
to work with you all. Yeah, and thank you so much uh, for the both of you um, for you know inviting me to come back on and talk about the public library. Get super excited talking about it to people and uh, for any listeners out there that um, needed that nudge or that invitation. Here's your invitation to come visit us at the public library. I promise I'm not this intimidating. I'm really this like five one short <laughs> soft-spoken girl, you know. But when getting getting you in the public library, I really want you all to to know that we're there. And then I also understand for folks that if you live in Springdale and Springdale Public Library is closer to you, like I will connect you to someone at the Springdale Public Library too, so. Well, thank you, Diana. That's the end of the episode for this week. This is Irvin. Manny. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>